Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Are you looking to wager on all the big games in sports? Well, man, do I have the best deal for you. How about going with my friends at Bet Online? This is one of the busiest times of year. College football, NFL, hockey is starting, NBA upcoming, baseball playoffs soon as well. Plus, hey, the Ryder Cup so you can lay some money down on Team USA as well. 50% off your welcome bonus today with Bet Online. Head on over to betonline.ag. That's betonline.ag. It's a 50% bonus up to $1,000 with our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V. B L E A V. Bet Online. Betonline.ag is the website. Bet Online, where the game starts. Fall is simply football season, and fans across the country are hoping that preseason hype leads to postseason success. In the NFL, we'll see if early Super Bowl favorites like the Chiefs, Eagles, 49ers, and Bills can hold off up-and-comers. And college football fans are wondering if Georgia will make it a three-peat or if top-ranked challengers like Michigan or Florida State can take home the national championship trophy. The college football and NFL seasons are defined by big plays, injuries, and coaching decisions. As a football fan, I also want to hear about the behind-the-scenes and off-field stories that shape the season. The football interviews and topics you hear on the ML Sports Platter are shaped by lessons learned at St. Bonaventure University. The online Master of Arts in Sports Journalism at St. Bonnie equips reporters and hosts for digital storytelling across the sports world. Students learn how to tell compelling stories through digital and traditional platforms. They are also encouraged to envision the future of sports journalism with their capstone projects. This 100% online degree builds on decades of academic excellence, and I'm a proud Bonnie, and I can tell you that you can join me in a growing list of notable graduates, including the New York Post's Mike Vaccaro and ESPN's Raina Banks. In fact, you'll hear from an accomplished alum or industry expert during video masterclasses in each course. Contact an enrollment advisor at sbujournalism.com. That's sbujournalism.com today to learn more about the online Master of Sports Journalism. That's sbujournalism.com. What's going on, everybody? Paul Bissonnette here from the Spit and Chicklets podcast and now the TNT broadcast. I just want to give everybody a shout out and make sure you tune in to the ML Sports Platter. ML Sports Platter back with you all over the major platforms. Download, subscribe, rate, and review. We are brought to you by our great friends over at Ken's Auto Detailing, Stumbling Monkey Brewing Company, Camillus Golf Club, and Brian Comboy of Mass Mutual New York State. Tax-efficient retirement planning, man. Make sure you go with Brian today. We are thrilled with our financial future. Thanks to Brian Comboy on LinkedIn, on Facebook, and of course, advisors.massmutual.com. Get your financial future secure today with Brian Conboy. So this is just a straight-up podcast on Oregon and Washington, which I thought, you know, going into this game, you could argue Ohio State-Notre Dame, you could argue, you know, Texas-Alabama. This game, for me, was the game of the year. It had everything going into it in terms of the hype and the accolades and the hyperbole and this and that. It lived up to it and then some. I thought this game was absolutely phenomenal, and I thought it was the game of the year. And it showed many, many things in no particular order. Number one, that the most exciting football this year is not played in the SEC. It is played in the Pac-12. Number two, how I wish, oh so how I wish, oh my goodness, how I wish that the Pac-12, and I know why they didn't, you know, I know why they didn't wait, but how I wish they had, I really do, 
I wish they had waited for the TV contract because they could have saved the conference and probably signed a mega, mega deal, not quite Big Ten-wise, you know, in terms of the finances, the revenue brought in, uh, not to that level, but they could have signed a probably a, a, a as close to as you could get with a contract compared to the Big Ten or the SEC if they had hung in there. I mean, think about what's going on in this conference. All these unbelievable quarterbacks... They're all going to get drafted uh, high in the in the NFL draft. You have the Deion Sanders factor, all the competition, multiple national championship contenders after half of the season, um, and and then it goes on and on. And then these great games, the rivalries, this and that, and the other. I mean, it, it's just been unbelievable, unbelievable. And they could have signed a major deal and kept all of these great brands, all of these great rivalries: Oregon, USC, Washington. Um, you know, Colorado and, and what Dion's got going and the list goes on and on. And frankly, the middle to low part of the conference is, is a little bit better too. I mean, look at what Arizona's done this year, for example. So the Pac-12 is, you know, has really got everything this year and it showed that. It also showed that right now the two best quarterbacks in the conference are not, you know, are, are do not include Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams' awful performance against Notre Dame boots him out. Now, he still might be the number one pick for what people like with the little funny throws and the sidearm stuff and the sliding and the running around and the Mahomes-esque things that we've talked about. But right now, I would say the top two quarterbacks in the Pac-12 are Michael Penix Jr. and Bo Nix. And you can flip that coin any which way, which leads me now to the game, which leads me now to how unbelievable Penix Jr. was, but yet he got outplayed by Bo Nix. And it wasn't by much. It was by an itty-bitty, you know, whatever, uh, splitting hairs type of a thing. Michael Penix Jr. threw an interception, and he had, um, you know, a couple of really, really bonkers throws in the second half, but he also threw it seven times less. He had 35 yards less because of that. His average throw, Penix Jr., was 8.3 to the 7.7 of Bo Nix. We're really splitting hairs here. We really are. Um, they were both sensational overall, right? Overall, they were both phenomenal. Couple of differences in this football game. Number one was Oregon's inability to really strangle and kill Washington when they had the chance, right? They had multiple opportunities late in the second half to be able to really, really, really get it done. Now, listen, this game was nip and tuck. I mean, it was 14-8 Washington after one. It was uh, 22-18 at the half. I mean, close, right? Close, close, close. It was, <clears throat> let's see, uh, it was 29-26 to uh, 26 after three, <laughs> you know? And then it was 36-33 uh, to end the game, and Oregon had an unbelievable opportunity to win the football game, push just off to the right. And they lose to Washington. I mean, it came down to a last-second field goal to tie to go to overtime. So really, it was it was really really close, right? Washington made a few more plays. They took uh, opportunities, and I thought that this game, you know, look, it's a play here, play there usually. But what really needs to be said is this game, late fourth quarter, it was Washington making more plays when it mattered most. For example, Oregon is in a spot where they have to stop Washington 
you know, what was it? With about six minutes to go, you're thinking they probably, you know, they pro- Washington probably should go for this. You know, they probably should go for this because if they can get it, the game, you know, is going to be over, right? And th- at this point, it was 33-29. to 29. Oregon had just scored. So they scored on a six-play, 80-yard drive under three minutes. Oregon uh, is up at this point by four. Washington gets the ball back, and they're driving, and they're methodically, you know, they're methodically driving. They're getting it down the field. You're thinking to yourself, okay, Washington maybe punches it in here. You know, this is probably this is probably the way to go. They have to go for it on four downs because if they can score, and I was thinking to myself, okay, are you if you score, you're going to go for two or not? Because if you get the seven, you're up thirty six to thirty three at that particular point. If you go for the two pointer and get it. You're up 37-33, and you force Oregon to have to come down and get a touchdown no matter what. Washington's driving down. It's 1240, 11-21, 10-46. I'm watching the clock, and I'm like, there's just so much time on the clock that maybe they're going to score, Oregon scores, and Washington scores. and Oregon. I mean, the way these drives were going, you were thinking that maybe each team was going to get multiple possessions. It was a matter of which defense was going to get the big, 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 biggest stop in the game. I thought that Oregon was the defense that got it on this particular drive. This was the drive where Washington went out on downs, right? I really, really, really thought that it was going to happen this way. I really did. And, you know, Oregon, they it gets down to the goal line, right? Second and six at the 16, third and six, and it's fourth and six. What an unbelievable play. At the 16, Penix Jr., I mean, this was an NFL throw. Like, this was the throw of the game for me. It wasn't his longest throw, but it was the best throw because it was fourth and six. And, you know, again, keeping in mind that this was the second to last drive for Washington where they got stopped on downs. Okay, that's that's where we're at, okay? And, and Washington, they get the big throw by Penix Jr. on fourth down to Giles Jackson, and there's 9.15 left in, in the game. I'm like, okay. So then Washington goes ahead. They run it for seven yards. And then there's a loss of one by Johnson, uh, a run for one. And and it becomes a fourth and one play, um, you know, from a a fourth and goal from the Oregon one. And you're like, okay, here it is. if, if, If Oregon can get that stop, this game might be over, right? They get the stop. I mean, a huge stop. I didn't like the play call because it was a Tybo Rogers run. I would have put the ball in my best player's hand, that being Michael Penix Jr. They stop him on downs. Now, here's the problem. <clears throat> At that particular point, there's still six and a half minutes left in the football game. Oregon gets the football back, and they run it for five. Bo Nix runs it for three. They call timeout. And so they stop the clock. I, you know, maybe it was a situation where you're like, okay, let's just call a timeout in order to sustain a drive because we really need another third down, right? We really need one. They get it. Bo Nix makes a great pass to Ferguson. Then it's first and 10. They run it with James. They run it with Nix. They call timeout again. So now they've called timeout twice to stop the clock. Now you're wondering, okay, maybe Coach Lanning shouldn't have called both of those, maybe he shouldn't have called any of them, 
and relied on Bo Nix to just manage the clock and get first downs so that we're not stopping the clock so we can bleed it so Washington just can't get the ball back. I don't know what the thinking there was with the multiple timeouts. With one, eh, maybe I can crawl over to that side and see. But then you have a pass that's incomplete on third down, right? You have a pass, or excuse me, a pass that's complete after the timeout. Pass that's complete. Sorry, I read the wrong line. Pass that's complete after the, 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 the timeout. So now what you've done is you have completed two first downs, but you've used two timeouts. And now, of course, you're approaching that time of that awful college football window where the clock stops after a first down. I thought the college football got it right by stopping, or, or excuse me, not stopping the clock after first downs for the most part. But the problem is, you know, again, under a couple of minutes, they stop it. I thought they should have just, you know, I thought they should have just gone all the way, right? Or or not at this particular point, right? I would have not stopped the clock at all, right? Why, why do that? It, it adds to the intrigue. It adds to game management. It adds to having to know when to spend timeouts. I would have just said, no, we're not stopping the clock at all in the entirety. That I would have made the full change. So getting back to the Oregon drive, Knicks completes it to Troy Franklin. They go to first and 10, but then it's no gain. Then Washington calls timeout because they know they're like, well, Wait a minute here, right? Um, so the no gain at first and 10 happens, and now it's second and long. Bucky Irving runs it for eight yards, and you're like, okay, tick, 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 nah, clock stops, college football. Jordan James runs it for one yard, one yard, and now Washington calls timeout. So now you're you have a decision if you're Oregon. Do you go or do you not go? If you go and get it at fourth and three, the game is over. You either go for it and end it or you punt it and pin them back and you hope that your defense can stop them again. Oregon says, let's go. Let's try to win the game. It's incomplete to Tez Johnson. Washington had a great defensive game plan. It's incomplete. Now Washington gets the ball and you're like, okay, Dude, you got to score, but you don't want to give him more time left on the clock to give him the ball back. I'm going to get to that drive and then the drive for Oregon that ended in the missed field goal next here on the ML Sports Platter brought to you by our good friends at Stanley Law Offices, Barks and Rec Doggy Daycare, Bowers and Company CPAs, and Chick-fil-A of Cicero and Clay. Make sure you head on over to Chick-fil-A of Clay. Don't forget, Cicero, if you're in and around Central New York, is under construction until mid to late November. So stop by Clay to get those delicious, tasty treats like cookies and milkshakes. And also, they're open for breakfast, the burrito bowls, the breakfast sandwiches, and more. Chicken tenders, chicken nuggets, kids meal uh, with a prize. And you've got your homemade mac and cheese and your waffle fries as well. Plus, ready-to-go, made-to-order salads. Unbelievable stuff. The Southwest Spicy is the great one right now. The Cobb Salad, I've had them all. They're amazing. Go to Chick-fil-A of Clay a proud ML Sports Platter sponsor. More breakdown of Oregon and Washington coming up next on the MLSP. Platter back with you, brought to you by Brian Convoy of Mass Mutual New York State and Bonnet Sales and Service. Let's roll to the last two drives of this game. So Washington gets the ball and you're like, okay, let's see. There's two minutes and change to go. They're like, F it, we're just going to score. <laughs> Penix Jr. drops a dime to Polk. I mean a dime for 35 yards to the Oregon 18. Oregon's defense didn't see it coming. I think they were thinking methodical, blah, blah, blah. 
Okay, so then you're like, all right, now you're at 130, like, you know, 139, you know, it's ticking down. So 149, 8, 7, it's ticking down, ticking down. Boom, Penix Jr. passes it to Adunze, who, by the way, is going to play in the NFL. 18 yards, bang, touchdown. Great if you're a Washington fan, right? They kick the extra point. You go up 36-33, you're thrilled. You're like, all right, this is great. We're up. Oh, no. Oh, no. Bo Nix gets the ball again. Oh, no. Oregon has the ball last. Oh, no. They have plenty of time to not just take it down and score a field goal to tie it, but maybe they can absolutely positively win it with a touchdown. So down goes Oregon, right? They pass it complete to Irving. They pass it complete to Franklin. They uh, run it for 12 yards. Here we go. They get a first down. They're at the uh, Oregon 45. They pass it complete. They pass it complete. Third down, pass complete. Here we go again. Now they're first down, but again, timeouts. They got, how do you stop the clock and all the rest? They're rushing. They're going it. So now you're at the 40 of Washington. Pass complete. You got to figure out what to do. You pass it incomplete. Now you're at the 25, to which Bo Nix has got to go back quickly, but you don't have a lot of time because it's the nine-second mark and all the rest. He rushes quickly, passes it incomplete. You're like, all right, you got to kick the field goal. The kid, I feel so bad for Camden Lewis. He barely misses it, pushes it right, and that's the end of the football game. What am I getting at? The team that had that extra stop, right? I thought it was going to be Oregon. I really did. I thought it was going to be Oregon when it was down there at the goal line when they had stopped Washington. But that wasn't the case. It wasn't the case. I'm still stunned. I thought Oregon in the in the second half, I thought that they were the better team. But it just wasn't meant to be. I was stunned. I thought that Oregon stopped them. And that was going to be it. You know, I really did. I thought that, it, you know, that play... Right there on that fourth down when there was six minutes and change to go, when Oregon stopped Tybo Rogers, I thought that was going to be it. And, you know, Oregon went down. You know, they got the, they, 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 they went down and they got stuffed on downs. And then it became a defensive game. Who knew? Like an offensive game became a defensive game. All these score, all these scoring plays, all these drives, all the excitement, two top 10 or maybe five NFL draft quarterbacks in it with Bo Nix and Penix Jr. You're like, oh yeah, offense, offense, offense. After the first half, I'm like, this is going to be in the 40s. And then it became a defensive game. And that's the beauty of college football. That's the beauty of sports. That's the beauty of adjustments. That's the beauty of everything having to do with this conference this year. And oh, by the way, Oregon and Washington showed in this game why they, not USC, are the better teams because they play a little bit of defense. I'm not saying defense wins championships in today's uh, offensive craziness, but I'm saying that defense contributes to offense, which wins championships. You got to stop somebody at some point. And it was, in the end, it was Washington getting, you know, those two stops. Because Oregon scored to take the lead. And then Oregon stopped Washington... And I thought, okay, that was the big defensive play. That was the big defensive stop that's going to end up winning the game. Nope. Washington stopped them. You know, Washington stopped them on downs right after that. And, you know, it was a tough decision because, again, like I said, Oregon had to, you know, Oregon had to figure out, like, if we go for this, the game is going to be over. We're just going to kneel it down three times, and that's going to be it. You know, they go for it. Washington, just a great game plan. They scattered 
around. They were chasing after Knicks. They 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 filled lanes. They had their hands up. They forced an incompletion. Then Washington scores, and you're like, okay. So first, I thought Oregon had the big stop. Then Washington matches it with a big stop, right? I mean, that's really what, where we're at. Because it's six minutes and change. I thought Oregon getting that stop up 33-29... Their offense at that point could move it along with the run and the in the passing, the play action, the short stuff. I thought they were going to be able to maybe milk the clock all the way down. Even going down the field and getting a field goal would have still been beneficial because you would have been up seven at that point, and then Washington would have needed to drive it down. But that wasn't the case. Even with that stop, even with that stop, that wasn't enough. Six and change wasn't enough. Oregon gets the ball back. They fail on a fourth down. They get it. The game's over. Nope. Washington then says, screw it. We're going to score. They score. And then they're the ones that need the defensive stop. So it went from Oregon. I thought they got the big time defensive stop. You know, to Washington getting a defensive stop. And then when Washington scored, it was kind of like each of them got the big one. Each of them got a huge defensive stop with under, you know, what would that be? I guess six, uh, like six and a half minutes, you know, under the, well, six and a half minutes and then, and then on. Each of them got a huge defensive stop. And then at 36-33, I'm going, all right, Washington, it's your time now. And then they got the extra defensive stop was what it was. And that's what it was going to come down to. What team had the ball last and what defense could get that big-time defensive stop? Or it was going to be the offense going, hey, you shouldn't have left us with you know that much time. You know, the old Tom Brady effect. This was a wild game. It was fun. It had everything. Quarterbacks were great. The most exciting conference in college football. Husky Stadium, the views. I can't imagine that atmosphere. Right on the water, open. The end of the stadium looks amazing. The views at night look amazing. What a game. Game of the year. And I just keep reviewing it in my head. Like, wow, six minutes and change. Oregon is such in the driver's seat right now, it's not even funny. They stopped Penix when it mattered most. And they stopped Washington at the goal line. That It's got to be meant to be for Oregon. It has to be if they stopped him in that way. It has to be. Nope. Nope. You know? Because then Oregon gets the ball back. All they need is one one completion, even though they stopped the clock multiple times. They thought it through, though, in the timeouts. They converted those downs, right? They converted those third downs. But it was the fourth down that hurt them. They didn't convert the down. Washington scores. Then they get the last stop. Absolutely remarkable game. So much fun. And we'll see what happens the rest of the way. Speaking of which, real quick, Oregon. Schedule the rest of the way. All right? By the way, they've already beaten Colorado at the time, a top 20 team. They beat Washington number seven in the country. They got Washington State at home. They should win that game. They go at Utah. If I'm an Oregon fan, that game worries me. Rest of the games, they should win. Home for USC, at Arizona State, home for Oregon State. At the end of the day, at the time they play their opponents, one, two, three, four, five, six top 25 teams they will have played. They beat Utah on the road. I think Oregon's going undefeated, and I think they're playing for the national championship if, 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 if something happens to Washington and cards fall right. Meanwhile, Washington, they've already beaten 
Oregon. Not much else. I mean, Arizona the game before that, only by a touchdown. Eh, Arizona's playing better. Does it look better? Sure. But Oregon's really the big win so far. Arizona stayed at home. They should kill them. At Stanford, they should kill them. Although Stanford just beat USC. But again, no defense in that game. They should whoop on Stanford. Washington goes at USC. That'll be a tough game. But again, defensively, you know, can you make more plays? Do your thing. Eh. Okay. Then you have Utah at home. Oregon State on the road. Washington State at home. Washington, obviously, they go undefeated. They're going to be in a great chance to play in the college football playoff. Duh. But if they slip up somewhere in there and Oregon then runs the table and some things fall here and there, maybe it's Oregon that shows up in the college football playoff. Either way, excitement's still to go. I still keep reliving the last six and a half minutes in my mind over and over and over again where I thought it was destiny that Oregon was going to go on the road and win that game with six and a half minutes to go. And yet, even with the fourth down stop, and that drive that got down to two minutes and the multiple timeouts and stopping the clock and Washington getting it right back and then scoring quick and then needing the last stop in the game and they got it. I just, that last six and a half minutes was something to behold. Mike Lindsley with you here. It's an ML Sports Platter edition recapping the Oregon-Washington game. Thanks for listening. And we are brought to you by our great, great friends over at Stanley Law Offices. Stanley Law Offices together. They'll work to get you the maximum reward and a tip of the cap. Thank you to Jam and Beats, Rosie's Corner, the Vince Aguera Consulting Group, and Liverpool Physical Therapy. LPT, get there. Old Liverpool Road, if you're in and around Central New York needing physical therapy, anything that might come up, post-op, aches and pains daily, whatever it might be, Liverpool Physical Therapy is a proud ML Sports Platter sponsor. As I always tell you, enjoy the games. This is John Serino at CH Insurance. Over the years, the Orange have set a great example of teamwork. It's what we strive for every day with our talented team, clients, and partners. Follow us on social media. Go SU, we're in your corner. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.